0: Well, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them, however you choose to open them, whether that's electronically, with an app, with a paper, a book that you fold open, and find your way to 1 Timothy. We are continuing our series on letters to leaders. Um, these letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus, are often referred to as the pastoral epistles, and we've been trying to... Help you understand that's not that's just a fancy way of saying letters, that's epistles, to pastors who are leaders, but we are finding out that we are all called to lead in some way, shape, or form in our lives. And so we invite you to take that uh open to first Timothy chapter two, beginning at verse one. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. I urge then, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. "...I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people." How many people? Okay, moving on. "...for kings and those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior." Who wants all people, everybody say all people, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is... Thanks be to God. So we're in the middle of a series. We're literally like about halfway through. We've got a, about four more Sundays in the pastoral epistles. Uh, I've really been enjoying this series. It's been fun. I, I was wondering how, when I felt called or led into this series, I thought, oh, that just, I thought those were just letters for us. And God has a way of saying, no, it's not just for pastors, but it is for leaders. Uh, those who are called to lead in whatever capacity. And so week one, you'll remember that every Christian has a place of leadership. And that Christian leaders exhibit the behaviors of Jesus in their everyday lives. And we looked at what that means for us. If we are called to be a Christian leader, then we are called to see these behaviors of love, of looking for the outsider and bringing them in, of respect for no matter who, uh, what society says, we are called to live in respectful relationship with those around us and many others. And so we want to look at that. Week two, we looked at Christian leaders are called to remain even when it's difficult. They're called, yes, sometimes to rebuke, but they're to do that with love and for the purposes of seeing love restored and flourish in relationships. And we remembered that uh, we are called to remember and repeat the goal, which is love and salvation for all people. Last week, we looked and saw that Christian leaders know their stories, the good, the bad and the ugly, but also the gospel. And what that means for the good, the bad, and the ugly in our lives. Well, this week we're going to look at uh, the, the fact that a Christian leaders know that prayer is the fuel of leadership. Now, I don't know if you have noticed all the street rods around this, uh, this town uh, this weekend. It is the NSRA, Kalamazoo 2019. How many of you like to see the street rods going around? I love it. I just think it's cool. I know very little about cars, but I just like what I see. And it looks cool, sounds cool. I could envision myself, you know, going down Main Street in one of those. But I guarantee you that not a one of those drivers of those cars would think about letting one of those cars run out of fuel and run out of octane. They would do that. They know, like we are supposed to know that Christian leaders, that prayer is the fuel. They know that the fuel that they have in their cars is what keeps them going. And my hunch is it's pretty high octane fuel. It's not that wimpy cheap stuff, and it certainly doesn't have ethanol in it. And so we're, we want us to know, I want us to see, because I believe that most of us would not let our vehicles run out of fuel, but we think we can live the Christian life with little to no prayer life. If we're honest, I believe that this is true. This is hard even for pastors to hear. That we feel like we can live the Christian life without a prayer life. It's like thinking that we can drive your car for months and months and never pull into a gas station. So I want us to look at this this week because I think it is important for us in our daily lives. I think this is going to be beneficial and helpful for you in your daily life, just as much as it is for me as a pastor. So we see, first off, that Christian leaders need to hear. The Christian leaders are those who hear the call to prayer. Now Paul starts off by telling Peter then, or, uh, Timothy, I urge then, first of all. Where is it, where is it in the, uh, location? It's first. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. I want us to look at that word urge. It's a strange word. And in the Greek, it it's the word parakalo. Say that with me. Parakalo. Ready? One, two, three. Paracalo. I want you to say it one more time. One, two, three. Paracalo. Now this sounds very much like the word paracletos. When Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, he said, I will send the one who will be called alongside you, the paraclete. Paracalo then means to come alongside. So often, I think when we hear the word, I urge you, we think of a preacher standing up here and shouting to you down there, I urge you, come on, let's go. Paul is writing to someone that he knows very well, and it's not shouting from the distance, go that way. It is someone who is called alongside So much so that you are so close to them that you could just whisper in their ear. One of the greatest examples of that in my life that I was thinking about this week as I was thinking about that word was uh, happened at Trevecca Nazarene University. Back then it was just Trevecca Nazarene College. And I was sitting in a speech class and my teacher didn't realize that I had been wrestling with a call to ministry. And one of the things that scared me the most was doing what I'm doing right now. I had watched my dad for, at that point, 19 years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, get up and share from his heart and say, thus says the Lord, and preach. I "I can't do that. I don't have any gifting in that area. And while I was in my speech class, we had to give a persuasive speech. And it was that time, and, and Dr. Neer just said, you know, hey, I think this will be fun. We'll just have a small competition. We'll let you vote, and whoever, uh, whoever does the best, we'll give a medal. I think it was one of those five-cent medals that you get like in Oriental Trading Post or, you know, whatever. We just thought this would be fun. Okay, so we'll do this. So I did a small devotional that had a call at the end. And my classmates did the evaluation, and in the end, yes, I won. And so, as I was coming up and receiving my tiny little fake gold medal, Dr. Jim Neer leaned in, Paracolo, and he whispered, I believe God really wants to use this gift in your life. That's Paracolo. It was a moment like, oh, I... He was right here. There was applauding. There was things going on. But I could hear him because he was so near. This is what Paul says to Timothy. It's like, I, I urge you. I, I'll come right alongside you. i put my arm around you. I'm whispering in your ear. First of all is the call to pray. First of all, is the call of the Christian leader to be a person of prayer who knows that it's the fuel that drives the spiritual life. I hope today for you that I would come alongside you as the one who's called to be your pastor. And I want at some point in your life, in our time together, I want to remind you, my friends, you, you, you're called to, To pray. First of all, you are called to pray. The church lets a lot of other things get in the way of the first. But the first of all is our call to be a people of prayer. Because we recognize that it is the fuel that drives everything that is possible. So Christian leaders hear and know the call to prayer. I want to just let you know about an opportunity where you could pray. Every Sunday morning we gather in this sanctuary. There's a little bit of music going on, so you can pray a little bit out loud if you need to, or you can just sit in the quietness and pray if you need to. But we provide a place every Sunday morning at 8.30 right here in the sanctuary. Come. If you have kids, don't worry about it. Kids can run around. We will we will pray because we know that that is the fuel for our lives, for everything that happens. Well, I want us to know also that we see that Christian leaders, I think what Paul is trying to say is that Christian leaders see the creativity of prayer. So let's go on. Let's see what he says. There are many, many ways to pray. Paul says there are petitions and prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving to be made for who? All people. I want us to look at those those four things that He gives us because I think it, it brings in a lot of creativity. There are petitions, and that is the Greek word deasis. You want to say that with me? One, two, three? Deasis. It means asking God on behalf of someone else. It's like you see a need in someone else's life, something that's going on. Someone is struggling. Somebody needs help, or you just desire to bless them, and so you spend some time in your prayer, thinking of them and saying, "Oh God, I know they need they need help. So bless them, send that help. Oh God, they're they're sick. Please send medicine or doctors, or just touch them so that they can be healed. God, they're in need of money. Uh, help them to find their way to that or access that." The help that they need do you get the idea this is petitions right well and this is remember it is for all people we do some petitioning for ourselves as well but this is petitions for all people so we remember god we remember them in front of god we remember their needs then we move on it seems strange to have the word prayers when we're talking about the creativity of prayer but i want you to know that prayers is the word Prosuxas. You want to say that? that's a fun word to say. Ready? One, two, three. Prosuxas. And it does mean just the generic word prayers, but it also has the connotation behind it that it is a specific place. It means going to a sp- place specifically for the purpose of prayer. That might be a room. That might be a prayer retreat. I take one every year. I go down to Kentucky and specifically for the purpose of spending a lot of time in prayer. That is prosuksas. Can I tell you one more time? Can I pause just a second? Because we have created a prosuksas for you every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. right here in the sanctuary. You will never be asked to pray out loud he, this is just for you, a place for you to come with the specific intention of praying. Maybe it's petitions, but it is a specific prosuxos. It is a place for you to come and pray. There is also intercessions, and that is the, the word entuxis. Don't you want to say that? It's just fun to say, right? One, two, three, entuxis It means literally to fall in with. That's what it means literally. This means in your prayers. It's not just petitions where you see them and their need from afar. It is, I am in my prayers. I want to place myself directly in their shoes. I want to feel the experience of their grief. I want to feel the experience of their illness. I want to feel the anxiety of their lack of work or whatever that is. You put yourself in that place and then you pray from there. Now, this gets a lot easier, I think, the older that you get. Because you experience a lot more, right? A few years ago, I, I, I could do a lot more uh, petitioning for people who had lost a father. After my dad passed away, I could do a lot more in Tuxus. Because I know the feelings. And I could Cry to the Lord on behalf of someone else who has lost a loved one. Because I know what it felt like. This is in Tuxus. Sometimes it's hard. It's not about drumming something up. It's about intentionally entering into someone else's experience to share it before God who can bring the comfort who might call you alongside them to give them a word of encouragement. In Tuxus. We've we've got to keep going. There's also thanksgiving, and that is the word Eucharistus. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Eucharistus. This just means give thanks. One of the uh, words that uh, is often used for communion is the, is the word Eucharist. It just means giving thanks. That by coming to the table to receive bread and cup, we say thank you to God for His provision in our life. When we are thanking God for other people or on behalf of all people, it, is, it means that we are bringing up what God has done for others. We spend a lot of time as church folk petitioning, Creating places to pray and interceding for others. But sometimes we forget when God shows up and does an amazing thing and does comfort and does heal, it's appropriate for us to spend a little bit of the time saying, God, thank you for answering my prayer. Thank you for healing them. Thank you for providing for them. Thank you for the ways that you've blessed them. What an amazing thing. Don't forget that we are called to be thankful people as well. Eucharistase allows us to see this happen. So, not only do Christian leaders hear the call to pray and see the creativity in prayer, but they move on. So, I wanna, I wanna ask, get, uh, remind us again, cause this is all through this letter to Timothy. Who are all these prayer types for? All people. That's true. He says right there in verse 1, it is for all people. Do all these prayers for, are to be made for all people. Now, he goes on and he is very specific about who to include. Then he mentions kings and all those in authority. Now they didn't live in a very democratic society in those days. And so probably the emperor, the one who was beginning to persecute Christians, that was probably not somebody you felt like you wanted to give much thanks for. Or that you wanted to, uh, encourage or, or, or step into their shoes and try and bless them or get alone with God and pray for them. But Paul says, let's start there. That's gonna be the hard one. And it's important that we read the all those in authority. I think that speaks to us today. We're okay praying for the one in our party. We're okay praying for the ones that we like. We're okay praying for the ones who vote the way we want them to. But that's not what the scripture says. It says, who do we pray for? All authority. And the purpose is not so that we can gain power. There's a different purpose that's involved. What is the hope for result of praying for all authorities and all people? What is it? Let's look on. It's right here in in verse 2. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. I'm throwing a lot of Greek at you today. And I'm doing that intentionally because I, I think we need to hear this today. I want you to to know that that word peaceful is the word eremas. Let's say that. One, two, three. Eremas. It comes from the Greek word erene, which means peace. It means not just the absence of conflict, but wholeness. Looking at a wall, there's not one brick out of place. It is a whole wall. It is an erene wall. It is complete. Looking at a life. So Paul is saying, in your life, we're praying for those people and all the authorities and powers so that we can live whole, complete lives. It is peaceful. It is a life that is free from disturbance. Can I paracollo you and come alongside and just whisper in that sometimes I think our refusal to pray for even the leaders on the other side of the aisle... And politics in churches is one of the things that disturbs us from the outside the most today. And maybe the call to pray for all authorities will be the fuel that helps us realize, hey, we're praying for them, not for our own benefit and our own call, but to be free from outside disturbance. Paul doubles down on this because he doesn't just say free from outside disturbance, but he talks about the next word, which is quiet, and it is the word hysoxion. fun word to say. You know you want to say it. Come on. One, two, three. Hysoxion. Such a fun word. It is steady calmness. So where the first word is free from outside disturbance, this is a steady calmness that in the midst of everything there is just a calmness if you've ever looked at a rock in a storm you may see water and wind and trees moving everywhere and all that thing but that rock that is there is haisuksean it is steadfast it is calm in the midst no matter what is going on around it it does not move it is right there, Paul says the life of one and who is praying for all people, including all authorities, is one that allows us. It's for the purpose so that we as Christian leaders can live lives absent from outside conflict and disturbance and one of steady calmness. Folks, without prayer, we will not see a steady calmness in our church. That doesn't mean we can't sing fast songs and enjoy that and clap and cheer and raise our hands and say hallelujah and all those kinds of things. But on the inside, there will be a steady calmness that no matter what happens in the 2020 elections, I can't believe we're already dealing with this in 2019, we know who is on the throne. And there is something that we want to be about praying so that we can continue to live without outside disturbance and in steady calmness. Next, it goes on to godliness. Now, godliness, I know a lot of times we think of that, and we've heard it, it's a very churchy word, and sometimes it comes across as self-righteousness. Oh, they're so godly. They're so, you know, whatever. You know, They won't do anything, you know, those kinds of things. But really, what we saw a couple weeks ago is that godliness, or Eusebia, you can say that one really quick. Ready? One, two, three. Eusebia is really showing the behaviors of Jesus In our everyday lives. To love like Jesus. To be at peace like Jesus was at peace in the midst of a storm that he could calm. Uh, To be encouraging of others. To love enemies. To rebuke in a way that leads to change or hope. These are the behaviors that the Christian leader is called to model. And this will only happen through the fuel of prayer. Prayer. And lastly, the word is holiness. Now, as Nazarenes, you would think this is where the message is going to start, right? We're just going to talk about holiness, another one of those big churchy words. It's interesting, I'm not sure why the NIV decided to translate this word holiness. Um, there's another word for holiness, it's called hagios, and uh, it, this is not that word. In a lot of your translations, I think the NRSV, uh, the King James, I believe, as well, We'll will we'll, uh, translate this word as dignity, so we can live lives in in uh, so we can live lives that model the behaviors of Christ, and that leads to dignity. That literally the word means gravity; that it has your life would have some gravity. Or the the word that we sometimes use is the word gravitas, or weight, or a presence will be felt in your life. One of the places where I have felt that the most uh, was with this man. His name is, uh, or was, Dr. William Greathouse. Dr. William Greathouse was a, a pastor. Um, he was a, a, a college president. He was our seminary president. He's, in some ways kind of my spiritual grandfather. He was a mentor to my dad when my dad was in seminary. He's a very tall man. He was six foot five, one of the, the few men in my life that I, I literally had to look up to. He had one of those resonant voices. Anybody here ever hear Dr. Greathouse preach? Anyone? A few of you? Okay. He had a great resonant voice because you know he came from the era when they didn't have sound systems and so could just project his voice out there and yet was such a humble Man, like you're, you would just see in class. He 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 would sit there and he'd be, you know, like itching his foot or something under the desk, and his shoe would pop off. And he would just instead of, you know, just ignoring it or going on, he'd like, oh. Um. Can somebody get that for me? (laughs) And you just go pick it up. And he was just like a child in some ways in this, but such incredible amount of study and prayer. And you just sense when you were in his class that you were in a presence. There was a gravitas to his life. And I believe that that came because I know Dr. Greathouse prayed. And I saw the characters of Jesus in his life. In fact, when I was fortunate enough to have him teaching my Theology of Holiness class, he had severely limited all his stuff. He was a former general superintendent. He was a seminary president, a college president. He was asked to speak all over, but his wife began to show signs of Alzheimer's. And he felt the call of God to just say, all of that has to go. And I've got to take care of her. And the one thing he kept was this class. So he would have someone come and sit with his wife so he could come and teach us young men and women about holiness. It was a gravity. There was a gravity to his life. His life brought forth the presence of the one in whose presence he quietly and peacefully lived day in and day out. And you sensed it. You knew it. You were there and you could tell there was something different. There was a weight. There was a substance. There was a gravity. You can't see it. You can't, but you just know it's there. This guy knows the person he's talking about when he talks about Jesus. Now, it's not just for him. Cause I experience that sometimes with my dad. I, I sense that with my mom. I sense that with Linda Seaman. I, I sense that with Lois and Ivan Smith from this congregation. You just knew. When I went to visit Ivan and he was so sick and I'd want to go and be encouragement. there was a weight of Christ's presence there that I usually left feeling encouraged. Because I had been in the presence of the one that Ivan had spent much time in the presence of. So this is not just for big theologian general superintendent types. It comes all the way down to you and to me. We are called into the time of prayer. Lastly, Christian leaders not only hear the call and see the creativity of prayer, but Christian leaders seek to experience the character of prayer. And this is what I'm talking about with Dr. Greathouse and all those people down to Ivan and Lois. They understood the character of who they were praying to and in whose presence they were as they were praying. Paul says to Timothy, this is good and pleases God our Savior. This prayer, this all these types of prayers for all people and all those who are in authority. It's good and pleases God who wants to save. There it is again. How many people? All people. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's gospel, folks. That includes you. That includes me. That includes your neighbor down the street. That includes the person who annoys you at the desk next to you. That includes the person who is working to undermine everything you do. God wants even them to come to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. All people saved. That's a, that's a tough word. Sudstheiai. You want to say that? One, two, three. Sudstheiai. Now, I really wanted to show you this because I want to give you just a little bit of a grammar lesson. It does mean saved. It has the connotation of being rescued. I was lost and I'm being rescued. I was clinging to that cliff branch and somebody rescued me. But in the grammar of that day, it is an aorist. That means it is an action that took place at a specific time, but the ramifications keep on going. You can almost translate it as saved and rescued and continues to save and rescue me. And I continue to live a life because I was saved and rescued. And so Paul is saying God wants all people to be saved. and, And he's big enough and loving enough and caring enough to continue rescuing and saving them so that the ramifications of their life because they were saved continue on into eternity. That's the kind of saving. It's not just a help up. It's not just a hand into the boat so you're safe. It's no rescued and continue to rescue and save so that the ramifications of your rescue influence others for Christ all the way along. That's a a deep saving. That's a deep rescuing. And God wants this for all people. How's that going to happen? How's the rescuing going to happen? We don't have a lot of time. So, knowledge. Epigenosis. You can say that sometime later. Epigenosis, epigenosis does not mean knowledge like I read in a book and I memorize certain facts about God. Epigenosis means it is a specific experiential knowledge of something. It's that kind of knowing. Like I've experienced a car wreck. A severe one that knocked me out. I know, I epigenosis what it means to be in a car wreck. And Paul says, God longs to rescue all people and continue rescuing them so that their lives display His love all throughout eternity. And that will happen as they have an experiential knowing of the truth. That truth is that this really is God's character. You see how this just works in a wonderful back and forth. That it is a God who longs to rescue and continue to rescue so that that person's rescued life makes has meaning all the way throughout eternity. And they will be rescued as they have an experiential knowledge of this God who really does long to rescue them in a way that continues to save them so that their lives that have been rescued live on out and display His love throughout Eternity. You can just keep going and keep going and keep going. This is why it is important to remember that we are saved and continue to be rescued by experientially knowing the God who longs for all people to be saved and continually rescued. It's not about memorizing a creed so that you can give God the bullet points of what faith is all about. The call of the Christian is to experience the God who loves you that deeply and loves all people that deeply. Even the people that you can't stand, God loves them that deeply. God loves you that deeply. God wants to rescue you that deeply. God longs to save you that deeply. And He wants you to experience it. Not just know about it, but to know deep in the heart of who you are, know that He is this kind of God. And that's what we're inviting you into. And that can only happen as we hear the call to participate creatively in the model and character of God through what? Prayer. You see why we maybe need communion before we talk about this? Because this is the foundation, folks. Our 10-4 vision is meant to help us all those ten things that are on the wall out there and that you keep hearing me talk about over and over and over again for the last 15 or 16 months is to help us peacefully and quietly show the behaviors and presence of Jesus in and as a church body together. And I believe that the only reason why... I'm telling you, I, how many of you saw my Facebook post just kind of summing up the last 15, 16 months? It's amazing. I just went to a conference with our district pastors, had so many people say, I can't believe, it's, it's incredible to watch that and read all that has happened. And I just say, I think the only reason why all of that has happened, yes, we've had some incredible people step up and begin to invite and do all of these kinds of things, but the reason why it is happening is because at 8.30 in the morning and at many other times throughout the week for many people, people gather to pray. They hear the call and they know that they want God to do something in cross-community church that allows us to live quietly and peacefully the behaviors of Jesus, and to talk about the God who really saves and invite people really into this real experience. And I don't think it could happen. Now, I want you to know that the ones that have been keeping me awake at night in a good way, as God continues to pray when I'm kneeling here on Sunday mornings to pray, are these four. A permanent second service. I don't know... uh, I don't know what that looks like. I keep resting on. Let anyone who lacks wisdom ask of God. Who's willing to give. Launching a new campus. Are you kidding me? I can barely help this campus. How's that going to happen? Ten new small groups. You heard about the one that's being launched this week. This will be our third. We have seven more. That's a lot to go. And continually inviting. This year we're trying for 274 people, new people to come in, so that we can invite them to experience the God who really does save that deeply. That we would dare to do that. It will only happen, folks, if we pray. I would just wonder what would happen if we had more than just a few 10 to 12 to 16 people. What if more of us gathered? What if more of us gathered together and really cried out to God and really placed ourselves in the shoes of those who are lost, those who are in need of love, those who are in need of help, those who are in need of rescue by the God who deeply longs to rescue? What if we gathered and we cried out to God in prayer? I believe we would see incredible things begin to happen. You may say, Isn't this just one more thing for us to do, Pastor? We're so busy already. This week I was listening to a podcast of a friend of mine and reading part of his book. His name is Dr. Andrew Root. He's a professor at uh, one of the Lutheran seminaries. I'm not sure which. He lived next to us at Fuller. He loved hockey. He was single then. He used to hit the puck on the wall that was our bed adjoined. (laughs) Knock on the door. Great guy. Great guy. Brilliant, practical theologian. And I was reading and listening. He was talking about this, that in a secular age, we're just called to do more and more and more and more and more and more as we're trying to manage our experiences of life, as we're trying to help our kids experience life. And so we become the taxi and we go to this event and that event and this event and that event. And it just seems like, yeah, we want the church to change and it's all good, but it just adds one more thing to try and and measure all these up. And he was talking about a philosopher, a social theorist, who said that, when that begins to be the case, when you're exhausted and I'm exhausted, what we need are experiences of resonance. So we go to that big concert festival so we can just experience with everybody else all the fun stuff. Sometimes it's Steve, you know, we take pick up our little baby girl and just look. And we just resonate. Wow, look at look at what we've done. It's beautiful. And Dr. Andrew Root says, I think the church would do far better by creating spaces and opportunities for resonance than by speeding up to try and be relevant. And that's why I want to invite you to join us. Because I believe that it is a prosuxos that has been created at 8.30 on Sunday mornings where you can come and be here and possibly have an experience of resonance that together we would see this is not just one more box to tick, but this is really where the fuel comes from. This is really where my life can be drastically changed. This is really where as a church we can be unified behind the God who so loves that He saves to the uttermost. That's what we used to say right that means he really really all the way down to the lowest place rescues people and sets them free for their lives to be changed and to have ramifications all the way out into eternity you're called to that i'm called to that and it begins with prayer and it will only be sustained through prayer and teenagers don't forget this was written to timothy who was a teenager. You don't learn to pray once you grow up. You start now. And it can be as simple as sitting on a quiet place and breathing in and out and saying, God, help me. It's simple. So I want to invite you. Will you come? Will you join us? Will you maybe get in the habit this week? Set a clock for 8.30. And when that little clock vibrates on your arm or your phone goes off say god help me to remember i i I want i want to experientially know you I, i want to hear the call to pray i want to see the creativity behind prayer and i want to experience the character of the one in whose presence i am praying you can do that we can do that together let's pray father This is hard because our lives are so full. And what we need is not one more thing on the list, but to to enter into those experiences that cause us to know, experientially know, that you are the God that loves us that deeply. That reminds us of how deeply How you saved us. That gives fuel to our lives. That energy that allows us to live those rescued lives out into eternity. So call us, Father. Call us to join together in these moments where we might pray in all the creative ways that you have called us. For all the people that you love, including our leaders. We pray right now for those from the White House all the way down through Congress on both sides of the aisle. And no matter what their political beliefs are, we pray, oh God, that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would guide them and help them. And we pray all of this, not so that we can gain rights and powers, but so that we can model your your behaviors out into the world. And we can show our kids and invite them into experiences of the great God who rescues. We pray for all kings and all authorities around the globe, not just our friends and allies, but again... For the peace of the world that your church can be whole and continue to show others the God who saves. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for inviting us into those moments where we can experientially know you. For we are grateful send us out in the truth of the God who rescues. For we pray all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? Don't forget, set your clocks, 8.30. Say a brief prayer. See what happens. Join us next Sunday. It's a great way to start the day. And now, may you, epigenosis, know, experientially know, the God who rescues and saves all the way along and sets you free to live your rescued life in His love for all eternity. I pray that love will lead and guide you to love your friends, Your families, your neighbors, your acquaintances, those who annoy you, and those who seek to undermine you. And may you find the truth that as you pray for them, God will change your heart. That you might know how deeply he loves even them. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Go in his love. Go in his peace. God bless you.